Awesome. Well, hello, everyone, and a big welcome from me also. It is so good to be here tonight. Um, I normally come along in the morning, so my family are just excited to be out past 5 p.m. We usually have dinner at 5 p.m. and we're getting ready for bed, so this is very exciting to be out when it's dark. Um, I am normally here at Bridge Kids in the morning, um, out with the kids at Buzz, so Buzz Family Service is really my, where I usually hang out. Um, so I just wanted to say, if you feel an urge at any time to just have a tantrum in the middle of the, in the sermon or come up and play the drums, whatever you like, yell out, colour in, you just feel very free because that will make me feel right at home here tonight. Um, if you've been to Chermside Shops in the last month or so, you would know that the Christmas season is surely upon us. Um, it is chaos there. You cannot get a car park. It's total mayhem. Uh, my son's birthday is the 30th of November, and so we have a very strict rule in our house, enforced by my husband, that we do not set up the Christmas tree or Christmas lights or anything like that until his birthday is well and truly celebrated. Um, it's a good rule. I really like this rule. Um, and so we celebrated him on Thursday. He turned 10 double digits, which was very exciting in our house. Um, and then yesterday set up the Christmas tree. We went and bought some Christmas lights from Bunnings uh, with the rest of Brisbane. They were all there. Um, got a sausage sizzle, obviously. And so yeah, Christmas is well and truly in full swing at our house now as well, which is very exciting. But as we prepare for Christmas again this year, I realise that for some of us, the story of Christmas might be brand new. And maybe you are full of wonder and awe this Christmas because you've just come to understand how amazing Jesus is. That was Lee's story tonight. We just heard it in the pool. Or maybe you're still on a journey of understanding what is this all about. If that is you, you are in the right place. We are so glad that you're here. I believe that Jesus wants to reveal himself to you this Christmas, even tonight. For others of you, this might be your 70th Christmas following Jesus, and yet I am convinced that there is still more for you as we look at the Christmas story tonight. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. Um, you can read along on the screen if you like, or if you have your Bibles there or your um, phones, that you can read along. Um, this is Joseph's sort of version of events of what happened um, around Jesus' birth. If you wanted to look at Mary's perspective, you can see that in Luke. And we will go there a little bit tonight as well. But let's just start with Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. 
all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, this is God's word for us tonight, so let's pray. Oh Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this incredible event of Jesus' birth and all that that means for us, God. Lord, we just um, ask that you would reveal more of who you are to us tonight, more of your love, the depths of your love, more of your grace, more of your character, God, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, right throughout the Old Testament, we read that history has been waiting for this moment that happens in Matthew chapter 1, the birth of Jesus, the promised Messiah. There's a deep longing and sighing within humanity to be back in relationship with God, just like we had in the Garden of Eden. In Eden, humanity walked uninhibited with God, able to enjoy all the fullness and joy and abundance in his presence. But because of our sin, our desire to be in charge, the arrogance of thinking we knew better than God, we were separated from him. But God promised right back in Genesis that he would one day send someone to defeat the deceiver and to be our rescuer. And since then, right throughout the Old Testament, many possible candidates had come and we wondered, could this be the one? Could this be the promised rescuer? There was Noah. Noah walked faithfully with God. He led his family and animals through the flood in a sure act of salvation. But ultimately, he failed and turned out to not be the one. There was Moses. He acts like the promised rescuer. He leads Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness. He even prays to God on their behalf when they make a golden calf to worship, and, to worship instead of God. And God listens to Moses and spares Israel. But then he tries to lead the people on his own terms, and we realize that he isn't the one either. David, surely it was David. He was the king. He had a heart after God, huge military success. Surely he was going to be the one. But he too ultimately couldn't save humanity. Human after human comes and goes, and there remains no solution for our dilemma. But finally, we make it to the Christmas story. Finally, the remedy for our broken world is here, and his name is Jesus. The rescue plan that God had been promising was finally being fulfilled, to be, to be ultimately achieved through Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. God's plan all along was to send himself. Jesus was to be called Emmanuel. God come to earth to be with us. I love the line in the song that says, in the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light until from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes. He came running this baby was God in the flesh, Emmanuel. Jesus was the promised Messiah, 
the one all of history had been waiting for and all the prophets had been pointing to. When describing the anointing of Jesus at his baptism, Aussie theologian Graham Goldsworthy says that one can almost hear heaven take a big sigh of relief. Finally, our saviour is here. Our relationship with God can be restored. The weary world rejoices. How many of us look around our world today and we are grieved by the state of it? We see war, famine, brokenness and heartache, anxiety, fear and confusion. Maybe today you come to church and you are weary from life. Maybe this year has been a hard slog. Maybe it's your health. Maybe there's been pain in relationships, work struggles, financial struggle. Maybe you feel tonight like you are at the end of your rope, weary and worn out. Well, let me tell you that there is hope in that place of weariness, and his name is Jesus. Isaiah 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 tells us that unto us a child is born, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Unto us, unto you and unto me, a child is born who will be our Wonderful Counselor. He is Mighty God, Mighty in Power, Nothing we are going through is too big or too impossible for him. He is everlasting father. Because of Jesus, we are God's children, and so we can come to him boldly, just like we would run into a great dad's arms. And he's the prince of peace. In the chaos of the Christmas season, in the busyness, in the struggle to get a car park at Chermside Shops, in whatever you are going through right now, He is the one where peace comes from. So what is our response to this amazing event of Jesus' birth? When we understand, or even if we catch a glimpse of understanding, we'll actually never, this side of heaven, comprehend the magnitude of what was happening here at Jesus' birth. But when we catch a glimpse knowing with our Easter glasses on what Jesus was going to achieve for each one of us personally, for you and for me, knowing that this was God, completely holy and perfect, and yet who loved us so much that he made a way to dwell amongst us. When we understand this, we are moved to a heart of worship and awe. The Lord God, mighty in power, creator of all the heavens and earth, stepped down from heaven, humbled himself to a human body, sacrificed himself because of his great love for us. When we grasp that, we can't help but be moved to worship. And we see this as we look right throughout the Christmas story. The posture of simple and humble worship is right throughout the Christmas narrative. Every time a new character enters the Christmas story and encounters baby Jesus, they all respond in a common way. Simple, pure, uncomplicated, genuine from the heart worship. 
as we look at the Christmas narrative, we see that whoever encounters this baby, whether they be from the highest social status or the very lowest, their response is the same. They cannot help but worship. Let's take a look at a few of the different characters in the story. The first person who encounters baby Jesus is Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. Mary is newly pregnant with Jesus. Elizabeth was pregnant with another very important Bible character. You might have heard of him, John the Baptist. And here is Elizabeth, a faithful woman who is carrying her own miracle. She has been unable to have a child all her life, and her and her husband are well advanced in years at this point. As Mary enters the house, you can imagine the built-up excitement. Elizabeth is pregnant against all odds. It's a true miracle. If I was Elizabeth, I'd be jumping out of my skin to go and tell, announce this great news. But the narrative describes the interaction in quite a different way. In Luke chapter 1, verse 39 to 43, it says, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But then she says, But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth's words here express her sense of awe and gratitude that her Savior, still within Mary's womb, would come to visit her. Elizabeth was blown away that she had been included in the ultimate redemption story of her God the redemption of Israel, and ultimately the whole world. She responds in humble worship. She can't hold back. In the presence of her Saviour, all she can muster is praise. Let's move to another setting, the shepherds living in a field outside of Bethlehem. Shepherds at the time were seen as members of the sort of lower end of town, But an angel appears to these shepherds and and says to them, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. These men are told of the coming Messiah. After receiving this revelation, they leave their work, they leave their livelihood, they pick up their... Um, shepherd nooks, crooks, hooks, crooks, 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 pick up their shepherd crooks, and they rush off to meet Jesus. And once the shepherds lay eyes on their Savior, worship sprung from their hearts. They left glorifying and praising God. Pure, simple worship. They brought nothing but their worship. I'm sure they didn't speak particularly eloquent words. They didn't bring any gifts. They hadn't had time to whip up a quick lasagna and garlic bread for Mary. They just came as they were and they worshipped. And what about the wise men? They came from a completely different class of people altogether. They were wealthy, influential, well-educated. 
they traveled a huge distance to find Jesus. As noble men from high standing, they were leaving palaces behind, not just sheep. But they weren't there to make alliances, to broker deals or to win favor. Matthew chapter 2 says the wise men fell down, prostrated themselves and worshipped, which literally means to kiss the ground while bowing down before a superior. They brought gifts, but that wasn't their priority. The first thing they did was to fall down and worship. Their worship was truly worth-ship, demonstrating that Jesus was worthy to be honoured. And as we fast forward to right here, right now, the 3rd of December, 2023, the only appropriate response is the same. As we reflect on the Christmas story, a saviour born unto us, who is very much still alive and active today, our response has to be worship. And just like the characters in the Christmas story, everyone is invited to come and worship. Andrew and Dan spoke last week about God being the king and that because of Jesus, we are all invited to come and eat at the king's table, to come just as you are, just as I am. Because of Jesus, we are invited to come with all of our shortcomings, all of our hurt, our pain, our burdens, and eat at the king's table. We don't have to hide our flaws, all our sin and our shame, we bring all of that with us to the table. We don't have to fix ourselves up first. We come just as we are. And we are so loved right there in that place. Followers of Jesus are invited to come approach the king's table with the confidence of a child running confidently into their father's presence. It doesn't matter if you are a lowly shepherd or a wise man, Jesus came for you, and you are invited to bow down and worship him. Earlier this year, we did the Your Kingdom Come series, and we were looking at what it means or what it looks like for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, to come in our individual lives, to come in our families. What does it look like for God's kingdom to come in our church, in our city, in our nation? And a little while ago, I read this quote that really impacted me. You know when something just hits you like a ton of bricks? It was answering this question, how do we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth? And it said, we bring heaven to earth by doing what heaven is doing. And what is heaven doing? Heaven is preoccupied with worship. We bring heaven to earth by doing what heaven is doing. And what is heaven doing? Heaven is totally preoccupied 24-7, day in and day out, with worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. In Revelation 4, we get a glimpse of what is happening in heaven. The author John has a vision of God's throne and John says, before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. 
and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In the centre around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was an ox, the third had a face like a man and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. But day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and, and him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay down their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive all glory and all honour and all power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Heaven isn't worshipping out of obligation. Heaven isn't worshipping out of habit. It is worshipping out of a revelation. Heaven cannot not worship. They are in the presence of God 24-7 and are continually getting more and more of an understanding of who God is. More and more of the beauty, the splendour, the power of God is constantly being revealed to them. And they can't help but worship day in, day out, every minute of every day. They don't run out of worship because they have a revelation of who God is. They see him for who he truly is. This side of heaven, there will never be a time when we fully grasp the complete magnitude of God's power and holiness and love for us. But when we get those glimpses, we are drawn into a posture of worship. I'm often reminded of this passage in Revelation 4 when we're here on a Sunday in church singing together. Uh, I think about all the other Christians all around the world, all different nations that are worshipping God too. I'm thinking about all of heaven worshipping, billions of people all around the world, angels in heaven, all of creation Worshipping God together at the same time. Not considering time differences, but you know what I mean. It's so beautiful. It's amazing. But the other day, I was driving home after dropping the kids to school. I'd actually taken the kids, I'd driven them all the way to North Lakes from where we live at Launton, and we're on our way to school at Rothwell. So I'm three quarters of the way there before we realised that we've left a school bag at home. And I don't think about it. I don't think I should just drop the kids and go home and get the school bag. I just drive, turn around. We all go all the way home to get the school bag. Um, Harley's also wearing the wrong shoes because he's left his school shoes in Damon's car. So we've got the wrong shoes, no school bag. Finally, we get all the way back to school. We're half an hour late at this point. And Harley opens his door to get out of the car and he just vomits everywhere because he's so car sick from this amazing long car trip we've had that morning. 
Thankfully, not in the car. God is good. But still, needless to say, it is not our finest hour as a family. But as I'm driving home that day, and I'm preoccupied with everything that's going on in my day, I'm reminded that even then, heaven is preoccupied with worship. And as I just lift my eyes to heaven and say even just a one-line prayer of praise, right then I'm joining with all of heaven. As I'm putting him in his rightful place on the throne, suddenly my perspective of what's going on in my day also starts to change. And that's what worship is. It's putting God in his rightful place on the throne. I love Psalm 22, verse 3. David writes, You are holy. You are enthroned in the praises of Israel. When we praise, we are enthroning God. We are putting God in his rightful place on the throne. We are proclaiming that he alone is king over our lives, over our situations, over our health, over our families, over our church, over our city, over our nation. And as we are enthroning God, he at the very same time is dethroning all powers of darkness who have been there before. I believe in the lead up to this Christmas season that God has been speaking to us about this very concept. As a church, we just finished our series in Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 5, we read that Joshua meets with the angel of the Lord, who is Jesus. And Joshua's response is to fall face down in worship. Joshua asks him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua gets a revelation of the holiness of the Lord, and his response can only be worship. As we worship and put God on the throne as king in our lives, our families, our church, our city, our nation, God is dethroning all other powers of darkness who have been there before. We saw that in full effect as Joshua sent the musicians first at Jericho. Israel enthroned God, in their praise, and God tore down any strongholds that had been there before. Worship is powerful. But it's not our worship that's powerful. It's the object of our worship that is powerful. It's not the act of worship itself. It's not the singing or an emotive feeling that is powerful. It's a heart surrendered to God. It's the act of putting him on the throne and bowing before him in humility. Maybe today you are able to sing with gusto, full of joy. Or maybe today your worship is a one-line prayer of praise, whispered in faith through tears. But let me tell you, a whisper from a heart surrendered is a powerful battle cry a sweet incense going straight up to heaven. There is a huge difference between singing a Christmas carol because we like the tune and it puts us in a festive spirit. Maybe we can even appreciate the lyrics. Maybe the big builds and the choruses leave us with an emotive response. 
But when we understand that the creator of the universe, the king of all of heaven and all of earth, gave up his throne for the purpose of restoring a way to be with us, when we understand that his love has no bounds, that it is so much wider and higher and deeper than we will ever be able to fathom, when we have a revelation of who Jesus is, and what his coming to earth was going to achieve, it has to bring us to a place of worship. Lyrics and Christmas carols like, Come, let us adore him, or glory to God in the highest, will be treasured by us and sung from the heart. A revelation of Jesus causes us to fall on our knees in worship. And this is really the experience that people have when they come along to the Christmas Lights Festival and all sorts of Christmas carols events that are going on at churches all around Brisbane. People might come for a fun night with rides and shows and stalls and singing. But when they walk into this auditorium and they don't just hear Christmas carols that they've heard a million times before, they are presented with a revelation of who Jesus is. They stand next to a person who is singing the same lyrics, but who who are wholeheartedly worshipping their saviour. Last year at the Christmas lights, we met a family who came along for the very first time. The dad called himself an atheist. But when they came into this auditorium, they were so moved by the worship and the presentation of the gospel that they went home that first night and they just said to each other, we have to go back there. So they came again the next night too and saw the whole show. They did everything all over again. And they haven't left. They've been coming to Bridgie constantly. They've done Alpha, all sorts of amazing things. Because when they heard the carols being sung, they weren't just hearing some festive songs that created some fun and some joy. They were hearing a response of worship from people who have had a revelation of who Jesus is. I wonder if this Christmas we can come humbly before God and say, I know that there is so much more of you for me to understand, so much more of your love for me to grasp, so much that I know I will never be able to run out of reasons to worship. We are each a a character in the Christmas story. It's still going. Just like Elizabeth, just like the shepherds and the wise men, We are each presented with the same truths about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Amidst the busyness of Christmas, let's not miss out on the opportunity to just be still, to stop and reflect and soak and find peace in his presence as we simply offer our praise and worship to our King. With the Christmas season in sight, let's pray, God, reveal to me more of who you are. I want to know you. I want to know your love. May the revelation of who you are draw me to true and proper worship. And may you be enthroned in my praise. As the band comes up, I would love to pray. Lord God, we join with all of heaven and sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. 
Lord, we know there is so much more of you for us to understand. God, we ask that this Christmas, even tonight, you would give us a fresh revelation of who you are. Father, we thank you for coming. You are God with us, Emmanuel. And Lord, we do think of all the different Christmas carols, events and things that are happening here, Christmas Lights Festival. Christmas carols, I know, are even happening all over Brisbane tonight. And so God, we pray that you would be revealing yourself to everyone in Brisbane, we pray. God, reveal more of yourself to us tonight, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.